Welcome back to the Cover 4 Katie podcast. I'm Zach Barker, joined as always by Brandon and Tanner Ebright. And today we're going to go with the halves format. In the first half, we're going to go with football news, commitments, decommits, offers, district realignments, etc. In the second half, we have basketball standings, playoff basketball teams, player and teams, slash games of the week. And in overtime, we have our interview with Max Wright, defensive end from Katie Taylor. Let's get into the first half. All right, so first off, we want to start off with uh, mentioning Coach Sheffy. He's going to retire this year after 41 uh, years of coaching. He was at Maid Creek previously, um, stepped up as the interim head coach at Katie Taylor this past year. Now with Coach Simmons coming over to Taylor, he's decided to retire. Um, just wanted to thank him for all his years of service. Um, I know guys personally that played for him um, had nothing but positive things to say about him, so... Just a quick shout-out and thank you to Coach Sheffy for his um, service as a football coach and Katie. Uh, recent news in the district, we have the UIL realignment. The biggest thing I got from the realignment is taking Strake out of the district. That's a, <laughs> a big positive. So since it's the first time we have only KDISD teams since the 2009-2010 season, which is a pretty big deal in my opinion. We've always had Strake or Memorial or somebody in our district, and having them represent our district in playoffs and stuff like that is, has always irked me. Yeah, so now we've got an all Katy district. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. I think we've got seven teams now, and then looking forward a few years, uh, we're going to add Peyto um, to the district, which is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so Peyto, they finally have their you know their first varsity season. They're starting out in 5A. Uh, the problem with their district is they're going to be traveling quite a bit, which is going to have a pretty big impact on their performance. Their district has teams from Montgomery, College Station, Bryan, Huntsville, and Rosenberg. So they're going to be kind of all over the place traveling, you know, all different directions for their district games. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting start for that program. I think that I think Coach Gott, though, being the head of that organization, I think he'll be able to spin that into a positive light in the sense that you can tell your kids, you know, you're getting to play a lot of different types of talent from different areas of the state and from the region I think he'll be able to hopefully get those kids on board and let them know, hey, this is a good opportunity for us. And, you know, people get to play in Katy all the time. People get to come to us, but this is our first year being a varsity program. Of course, you got to put your feet to the fire. Like you got to, you got to earn your, you got to earn your stripes. So yeah, majority of these kids, you know, because they haven't played on the varsity level yet, they've only played the Katy kids. So it's going to be a, yeah. it's going to be a pretty big awakening for them to go play against the different talent from all the different areas, like you said. And it's a, and they're like you said, they're starting in five A, so it, it'll be not quite as rough of a start as. Yeah. As it could be. You know? Well, I mean, they got some good teams though. College oh, they Station, they made a pretty good run to state, but you know that's that's a pretty tough team right there. Lamar Consolidated is pretty tough. Yeah, uh, there's a couple different teams in there that are going to be tough for them. But battling through this adversity, the first year of a varsity team is going to be good for the program. I think that the the main thing that will be able to help them is you won't necessarily be dealing with some of the monsters in the trenches that you're dealing with six A ball. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things, especially when you're just starting a program up, is having a, a good solid core of guys on that O and D line. That's the hardest part to get to get. Yeah. So not. Only only will it be good for the players, but I think it'll be good for that coaching staff as well. Absolutely. To be able to, to start the program and have to deal with adversity like this, they'll really be able to tell which direction they need to go with their program and the different areas that they need to work with and improve. Just because they're in the district as well, uh, or they're not in the district uh, with us, still a KDISD team. We're still going to follow them, um, keep you guys updated with how Peyto's doing in that 5A district. I think it's going to be fun to watch. They've got pretty good competition for their level of play, and let's see if they can transition later down the road back into 6A. So let's take a look at some of the preseason <laughs> opponents of the of the 19 6A 2018 season. Katie right now has Atascacita, North Shore, Clear Springs, and they previously had the Woodlands scheduled, but due to the Woodlands realignment, they no longer have space in their schedule to take on Katie. So Katie has weeks three and five open. 
And they're trying to fill that space right now with uh, with another non-district opponent, and they're having trouble doing so. Coach Joseph's spoken to multiple coaches, apparently, and been trying to get a game going and just hasn't got anybody to, to bite quite yet. So, Yeah, and I'm not really – I'm not sure why – some of these big programs won't step up and try and you know compete with us. It's, it doesn't put the right message out there that you're avoiding playing Katie yeah. as a big. If you want to be a big time program and you want to be known as one of the big dogs of the Houston area, you think you would schedule a game like this if you have the availability to do so? Well, it sends a wrong, wrong message, not even just outwardly, but to your kids. You know, I mean, you should want to take on the best. And Katie's taken some of that criticism in the past. Even you know, taking on some arguably like lighter non you know non district opponents. We've always had a team like the Woodlands and or like North Shore. Shore. Yeah. We, we've there's always had one, at least one. There's always one or two that it's a pretty solid matchup. You're right, but I don't know. I don't know what it is either because you you want if your kids find out that you had a chance to go take on Katie. And then you got to explain to them like, ah, oh, we just you know we didn't want to or we didn't. Yeah. I mean, what does that what does that say? if you're if you're on a team and your coach tells you ah oh, we didn't want to go take them on? Yeah. What does that tell you? I they think it's a, ready. Yeah, I think it's for outer programs. I think it's an interesting opportunity for teams to come in and kind of weigh themselves out to see, hey, this is one of the top programs in the state. It's a good opportunity to say this is where we are right now. This is where we need to be. And if teams are avoiding that, I think that's like you say it. That's a that's a bad message to send to your kids. That's a bad message to send the community. I think it's a really unique opportunity to match up with them and see where you are as a program and but at the same time on the outside looking in I, I also understand why you wouldn't want to get off to an 0-1-1 start or 0-2 start 0-3 start to go play them yeah I guess you could always protect your record so to speak but it's non-district play it's right down the stretch it's better to just take on take a team like that head on if you have the opportunity to do I, so I especially agree. if they directly reach out to you to try and get that game yeah but we'll see maybe maybe they get another out-of-state opponent They've had a couple teams, you know, try and try and make that happen the last couple of years. And the last opponent, it was either Bellevue or it was the Florida team. Yeah, I know it's been close to happening in the last few years, but it hasn't. It hasn't happened. I think, like you said, I think Bellevue is the last yeah. one. Well, the problem with high. the, the problem with some of these teams is they want us to come to them, but we don't have the funding no. with eight schools in our district to, to right. do so. But uh, one more thing on on Katie's open opponent for these big programs, you know, it's a it's a test of where you're at, or even some of the up and coming programs that have had successful runs in the years, but maybe can't sustain those runs year after year. Mm-hmm. It's it's a test of where you're at to be able to come in and be able to compete and possibly upset a team like Katie. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's a really big deal if you're able to put up a good like a good fight. It's like and, a measuring stick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, let's move on to May Creek. Their uh, non-district games for 2018 season are Conroe, Fort Bend, Austin, Aldine Nimitz, and Alvin. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, I've got some buddies that I played with in college um, that went to Alvin. Um, so a lot of trash talk is going to go into those games, I'm sure, because <laughs> we always argue back and forth who is going to win between May Creek and Alvin. So that'll be uh, a good talking point for me and my buddies back at From Door. And then Seco Ranch, we've got Cy Ranch, Jersey Village, Pearland, and Cedar Park all the way up in Austin. Um, I think that Cedar Park Cinco Ranch game is going to be pretty interesting uh, to see Cinco Ranch travel all the way up to Austin. What do you guys think about that one? Yeah, I don't know how much they've traveled in the past when it comes to these games. Yeah. I think they usually go into Houston and they play Cy Ranch. Yep. at a neutral site. But I think it's good for the district teams to travel out and play you know, regular season games somewhere else instead of waiting to the playoffs to travel. Right. Especially for teams that don't necessarily make the playoffs year in, year out. It's good for them to go travel and get that experience before they end up making a run and they're not used to having to deal with the travel process. I think a lot of people don't take that into account either. It's a big difference, you know, riding 15 minutes down the road to, to Rhodes or to Legacy or going – 
30, 45 minutes into Houston, that's one thing. But to travel to Dallas or to travel to Austin and to have to actually go through that, it does take somewhat of a physical toll as well as a mental toll that most people don't really take into account. Texas is a big state, man. you got to cover a lot of ground yeah. to go play some of these teams. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think going back to Peyto and their and their district schedule, it's going to have a really big effect on them, yep. especially since a lot of, all of them are used to freshman, sophomore team where they're, just, going, just, they're going high school to high school. Yeah. They're not really dealing with the travel at all. And one more touch on realignment. I also think it's a really big deal for these district opponents to have the fourth out-of-district play game. I think that's going to be a really big deal. It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be really good for the district and the quality of play as well. I think it is, too. I, I liked it better that way back when, when I was playing in the years previous and right after. It gave you more flexibility as far as the types of teams that you could try and fit in. You, you have more weeks to work with, one, obviously, so you, you have more flexibility working with other teams and their schedules. But, two, you can get in you know, a, a North Shore. You could fit in an Atascacita who, Katie, they didn't typically get to get in a team like that. Right. Or, like, Cinco, they've played Cy Ranch in the past, but now you can go get in a Pearland. That's a good program, man. Yeah. That's going to be a good matchup. Cinco Pearland. I, I like it a lot better. I like that it gives you a lot more flexibility, and you can bring in, uh, you can attract a lot of different teams to come in and start to play the nineteen six eight district. And I think that I think the nineteen six eight, even though it's gotten a lot of criticism over the last few years, I think that they're strong enough to go and compete, and it's going to be good for us. Definitely. So, and then moving on to Taylor, they've got Cy Springs, Atascacita, Dickinson, and Deer Park. Morton Ranch has got Cy Lakes, Cy Ridge, West Side, Sam Houston. Tompkins is going to play Fort Bend Austin, Klein Kane, Alvin, and Clear Creek. Seven Lakes has got Memorial, Laporte, that'll be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Fort Bend Austin and the Heights also I think will be an interesting game. And then Peyto, of course, we've got Stafford, Northbrook, Clements, and Waller. Um, these are all tentative and can change at any time. Uh, looking at the Seven Lakes, you know, what they've scheduled so far, you know, they can change, but I think they've actually scheduled a really impressive preseason opponents. You know, Memorial is pretty solid. They haven't been as good the last couple of years since they left our district. But Memorial solid. Laporte is usually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And the Heights is really athletic. We played them in 707. They, they have the, the chance to be a really good team. Fort Bend Austin is also usually pretty decent as well. So yeah. that's four pretty good opponents that they've scheduled so far. Yeah, I think that'll carry over. Like you said, those are good programs traditionally. Going into district for Seven Lakes, I think that's going to be good for him. Coach Wilson and that staff put together a pretty good preseason schedule, or pre-district schedule, I should say. I think it's going to carry over well in the district. I think so, too. It's, it's a lot of different types of programs as well. Typically, like a school like the Heights, for instance, you know, I'm assuming they're going to spread it out with the athletes that we saw when we played them past, this past summer. Uh, the Fort Bend district, you're going to face a lot of – I don't care what team you face, you're going to face a lot of speed if you're yeah. playing that Fort Bend district. And then you got a team by Memorial. Typically not crazy athletes across the across the field. It's fundamentally sound. Fundamentally sound, and it will prepare you more so for a team like a Katie that you're going to play in district. Yeah. Not not quite as as well executed, but it's the same style of play generally. Especially defensively, you're going to face a similar defensive memorial. And then Taylor, I don't know much about Side Springs, but Atascacita, Dickinson, Deer Park mm-hmm. are all also three really solid programs. And like I said earlier, having that fourth game. With Cy Springs, you know, that'll give them a different type of team. But Dickinson traditionally has been a pretty good team. Deer Park traditionally has been pretty solid. And Atascacita last year put a really good run together before they ran into Katie. And if they're able to do the same this year, then that'll be a good test for Taylor early on. 
Absolutely. I was just looking at this. It's interesting to see some a little bit of crossover as far as you know some of the schools in district playing. Like Tascasita's playing. Katie and Taylor. And then you got Alvin's playing. Alvin's Tompkins and Maid Creek. Yep. Forpin Austin's playing. Tompkins, Tompkins and Seven Lakes. So a couple different teams that are tapping into the 196A competition. Which is good for us. We'll welcome all the, all yeah. the challenges we can get. One of the things I didn't like over the last few years is because we only had a couple non-district games, you could get in. Everyone could only get in a couple games. And I feel like a lot of these teams the last few years haven't been as well prepared as they could have been going into the back end of the season and going getting ready to make a playoff run. I think that that will enable a Seven Lakes or a Taylor to make a, a deeper push, you know, which I'd like to see. I want to see I want to see some more 196A wins. I'd like to see 196A playing each other in the playoffs. I'd like to see some yeah, of those matchups. Definitely. Yeah. Well, then this past year, you know, dealing with the hurricane, that took away two games from everybody, and that made it even more difficult down the stretch to be fully prepared and the level of play that we should be at. All right, let's move into this recruiting news. Tanner, can you take us off with some of these guys out of Seven Lakes and Taylor? Yeah, so we started, uh, or we talked last week about David Uguaybu getting some interest from, you know, from OU and a couple programs. And a couple days later, he started, all of a sudden, he's getting offers from everywhere. He's yeah. got Alabama, OU, A&M, Texas, Texas, Florida, anywhere you could possibly think of, he yeah. started putting, he started getting an offer from. You know, congratulations to him. That's a really big deal. And, you know, we wish him luck in the upcoming season and, and with his recruitment. Uh, Something interesting, though, real quick on him, he's got the Alabama on his Twitter. He's got the Alabama offer pinned. Uh, that'll be interesting to well, see. Well, I don't mean everybody, if you get that offer, you're going to that. Nick Saban is calling the Defending national champion. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah that is, that's that's the, absolute, the absolute biggest honor you could have is getting the scholarship offer from the defending national champ and Nick Saban. Definitely. Um, so Ben Montgomery, um, you know, DB from Taylor, he was committed to U of H, and now he has decommitted and reopened his recruitment. His post, he basically believed that he had rushed into the decision due to his circumstances. After thinking about it, he decided that it was better for him to reopen his commitment, which is good. That's a life decision that you have to make, not only athletically, but education and the life after football. So I for your family. You know, take, yeah, take your time and make the right decision on that one. All so right. David, uh, David Benda from Cinco, he's a linebacker. His first offer was U of H, and he just now received his second offer from UTSA. So congrats to him. Uh, you know, Hopefully a couple more are going to be rolling in as the season goes on. Put up some stats, and you'll get a couple more. Yeah, and then Braden Mowry, Taylor linebacker, has narrowed it down to his top seven schools. He's got Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Those are pretty big that's, powerhouse that's a solid, programs. That's a solid seven. That's not Definitely. That's gonna be, it's really going to be interesting seeing him on the on the Taylor defense next year. Hopefully he can be the anchor. Yeah, we're going to keep our eye on him. Um, that's interesting stuff. And then we've got some more recruiting news. Marcus Stripling out of Maid Creek, the defensive end, has narrowed it down to his top eight as well. We've got UCLA, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Florida, Oklahoma, and the University of Texas. Also, uh, <laughs> full I mean, of and so I want to I want to talk about this really quick. As far as recruiting, guys, this district is loaded, and it, it usually is every year. And I think we take for granted the fact that we've got Nick Saban, um, Lincoln Riley, these guys making these trips down to these schools. We take that stuff for granted. That doesn't happen everywhere. Well, we've been, I know. We've personally. been seeing it. <laughs> I think it's pretty. I mean, Nick Saban was just at Maid Creek. Yeah. Nick I mean, Saban was taking. I mean, he's been he's been all around the well, district. And truthfully, the recruiting has picked up a lot in recent years. As Katie's expanded, you know, a lot of people have been moving in. There's a lot of talent. We've been having a lot tap. more a lot more talent that's been making it to the next level. I don't know if that's exposure or if it's social media. Or, you know what the real reason is. I know we've always had talent. Right. But it just seems like lately we've started having a lot more talent that's been getting looked at. 
and getting the offers from the next level. There have been plenty of guys from the Katy area. I mean, you can go back to the 90s, man. You had guys from – you had linebackers and linemen from Katy going D1 and going pro, and I'm sure other schools as well. I know personally of guys that, that were balling, and only a couple guys made it. You had a linebacker go to Tech, a couple other like O-linemen make it big. But even just in, in the time that I was there, man, we had ballers from when I was an eighth grade freshman. Like It didn't matter. Yeah. And, not a lot of guys were going places unless you were the big Katie running back or you were someone yeah. like you had to be an absolute like monster to really get any garner any university's attention. And it's just nice whatever the case may be, like you said, whatever the reason may be, whether it's the city's expansion like coupled with the, the social media, you know, explosion. Mm-hmm. If that is what it is, more power to all these kids, man. I'm happy that they're getting noticed. I'm just glad that the Houston area in general, but especially this Katy area, is getting the attention that it deserves because we know how to play some football around here. Exactly. And I, <laughs> it's a testament to the coaching, too, because a lot of these guys, Tanner, we've talked about this previously, a lot of college coaches are scared because, especially at a school like Katy, these kids are coached up almost to their maximum level, it seems like. And so college coaches are afraid to say, Okay, well, we're going to get this kid out of Katie, but we can't coach him up anymore because he already knows exactly what's going on in different systems and things like that. So I think it there was a kind of a timidness to recruit out of the Katie area, but now I think you've seen successful players like Rodney Anderson, for example. Why wouldn't you want a guy like that on your team that is coachable and has the athletic abilities to be a difference maker on your team? Yeah, that used to be the stigma. And, I mean, even guys like – I mean, look at Andy Dalton, who's now a, a perennial starter mm-hmm. in the NFL at the quarterback position, which is not easy to do. Mm-hmm. And he basically had to go, I don't want to say beg, but he had to go to TCU and just be like, look, you know, I can do this. Like, we had to basically convince them to offer him at all. <laughs> and he went and took him to a Rose Bowl, goes in the NFL, and has been starting for the Bengals since. And we had a quarterback like that who, like I said, had to go and convince them to get a scholarship. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's crazy stuff, crazy yeah. stuff. And I, I again, I think we take this stuff for granted. This doesn't happen in every district. I don't even think it's close. Um, so the fact that these major programs are coming to not just Katy, not just Cinco, but pretty much every school in the district um, are getting these visits from these Power Five conference schools and coaches. I think it's just a testament to the kind of kids that we have in the in the district and the kind of coaches that we have and really even the administrators kind of mentoring these kids into successful young men and women. I think it's just a testament to the entire community. Uh, so on that note, we'll move on to uh, two of the young linemen over at Taylor, Hayden Connor and Bryce Foster. They have a couple big offers from Florida, a couple other powerhouses, but they just picked up big offers from Texas A&M, which is a pretty big deal for a lot of kids in this area. Especially for um, kids so, you know, so young, class of twenty twenty one. And then you also have uh, Andrew Coker, who's going to be the senior leadership on that O-line. He just decommitted from Florida and decided that he was going to reopen his recruitment. That's interesting. Uh, so that that's a pretty interesting thing. We'll have to keep an eye on that, see where he decides he wants to go. Uh, maybe he got swayed by Max to look into Texas A&M, possibly. And then you got Cole Birmingham. He's a KDO lineman. Just picked up a couple offers from Boston College, U of H, and Texas Tech. And he has interest and visits from a couple more big-time programs. And then you have uh, Keontae Fiakapui from Maid Creek, who was committed to Tyler Juco, decided to decommit, and has now committed to Trinity Valley. Yeah. All right, so this Saturday, February the 10th, at the Village School, there's going to be quite a few KDIC players playing in a big-time 7-on-7 uh, scrimmage tournament kind of deal. All the biggest clubs in Texas will be in attendance, maybe some from Louisiana or so. But it'll be $10 a person to get in. I think it's definitely worth it to come out watch a lot of these athletes play in a 7-on-7 format. The club, you know, the club level is a lot different. It's a lot more physical than UIL. I know a lot of people don't necessarily come out and watch, but 
you know, it's off-season football. It's a good way to watch a lot of these up-and-coming athletes. Freshman level, you'll have a lot of guys that, you know, have a shot at varsity coming up. And then you have a lot of guys that are, you know, looking for these offers to make it to the next level out of KDISD. And it's a chance to come see, you know, some talent and some competition that not everyone gets to see, especially in the, during the off-season. So peek behind the curtain, so to speak. We get to see some of these kids while they're developing and working on their skills. And even kids that have improved already since this past season and kids that you may have never even heard of that are coming up, like you said, from this freshman division. But kids who are going to be coming up or are 14, 15 years old are going to be competing and starting on the varsity level for teams in this district and around the, the city and the state. So uh, it's definitely worth your time if, you, if you're into that kind of thing, if you want to come check out some, some real uh, under-the-radar talent and some guys that are definitely on the radar already. All right, let's jump into the second half. Started off with men's basketball updates. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and dive into the standings. Tompkins is at number one. There you have a 10-1 district record. Uh, they've had a really good season so far, and they're probably going to make a pretty solid playoff run. Uh, Morton's at number two. They've also been pretty decent throughout the year. Seven Lakes at 8-3 and three, the third spot, and Strike at 7-4, and four, unfortunately, at the fourth spot. And I think the playoff teams are set. KD, first team out, 4-7 and seven at the fifth spot four-game losing streak. They were in contention for a playoff spot, lost four games in a row, and now they're out. Uh, and they're three games behind strike, so I mean, it's a pretty unfortunate losing streak on, on their part. Uh, Taylor at number six at four and seven. Cinco, three and eight, number seven. And number eight, Maid Creek at 0 and 11. All right, and then looking at women's basketball, we've got Seven Lakes in first place at 10 and one. Uh, pretty traditional powerhouse program um, for women's and men's basketball. Coming in at second, we've got Katie at nine and two. Um, they're still in a hunt for a district championship. Then at third place, we've got Taylor at 8-4. And, and fourth place, we've got Morton Ranch at 4-8. and eight. At fifth, we've got Tompkins at 4-7. and seven. Sixth place, we've got Cinco Ranch at 3-8. and eight. Those three teams are still in contention for a playoff berth. Um, that'll be interesting to see as the conclusion of women's basketball comes to a close. And then at seventh place, we've got Maid Creek at 1-10. Quick, uh, quick point on Katie. You know, our basketball team has kind of been down the last couple of years, but, you know, men's basketball, they're a couple games away, just an unfortunate losing streak away from being in the playoffs. And they did have a hot start. You know, they, yeah, they, they started out good. Their overall record is pretty decent, but they beat Tompkins. You know, they handed them their only district loss. You know, they're not they're one, they're one spot away, one spot away from being in the playoffs. Well, and now that one spot, that team won't be there next year. Exactly. So, uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that turns out the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, our women's basketball team, they're at the second spot and possibly a district championship. We'll see how that unfolds over the next week or so. But that'll be interesting to see how it turns out and see if they can make a playoff run. Definitely. And women's basketball, you know, those those three teams still in a playoff hunt. Morton Ranch, Tompkins, and Cinco Ranch. Um, it's going to be a fight till the end uh, to get that playoff berth. It'll be fun to see. Yeah, I'm not sure if they have one or two games left, but they're—I mean—they're all within one win of each other. Yeah, that's that might so, come down to a tiebreaker. Yeah, so all all three of them, you know, they're fighting for that fourth spot. Uh, so each week, uh, we're gonna pick a team of the week, player of the week, and a game of the week. Team of the week is gonna be the best team performance from the previous week. Player of the week is gonna be the best individual performance from the previous week, and the game of the week is gonna be the best upcoming matchup for the next week. So we're gonna start out with the team of the week. Team of the week we have right now is Tompkins men's basketball. They just blew out Katie on the road. That was a big-time road win at Taylor as well, which is a difficult place to play. They have a pretty rowdy uh, rowdy student crowd. They take a lot of pride in that, and uh, that's to make it difficult for the teams to come in there and play. And they pulled it off. So shout-out to Tompkins men's basketball. Uh, player of the week, best individual performance, Darius Alford from Seven Lakes. He's a senior, and on his senior night, put up 49 points with 11 three-pointers. 
uh, broke his own scoring record that he'd previously broken. It's the third time this season he's done that. Yeah, he should be getting some serious college interest pretty soon. From what I've seen on Twitter, he's a pretty good guy as well. Right yeah, now, he so has zero. He has zero offers, correct? From what I've seen, he de- he doesn't have any big time offers. Which, you know, if you can put up eleven three pointers in the game <laughs> and you're a pretty solid shooter like that, you know. At least a D2, D3, something. You should have some pretty solid interest. But from what I've seen on Twitter, that he doesn't have anything that's wow. big well, time. Big shout-out to him. And, you know, hopefully we wish you the best. And hopefully you can start getting some interest soon and start hearing from some, some colleges. And uh, game of the week, Seven Lakes versus Tompkins, number one versus number two. Should be a playoff-type atmosphere. That's Friday, uh, 7 p.m. at Tompkins. That's this Friday, February 9th, at Tompkins at 7 p.m. Yeah, so just to talk about that game. Uh, that and the the team of the week in Tompkins. You know, their their student section is pretty crazy. Uh, not as crazy as the Mustang Mob at Taylor, but they're I mean they're at home, so it'd be a really really big game for them to get ready for the playoffs and to face a number two talent, Seven Lakes, coming off you know the big game from Darius Alford. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how he performs coming off a game like that and to play number one before going into the playoffs, like you said, in a in a real playoff type atmosphere. It'd be good for both teams. It'll definitely be interesting and, and good for the uh, for the observers too. So. It'll be yeah, it'll be fun to see how Seven Lakes tries to combat that shooter out of Tompkins. It'll be it'll be a fun game. I know Seven Lakes has the Spartan crazies. I hope they travel well, make it a really good atmosphere for those guys um, for Seven Lakes and Taylor or Tompkins. Sorry, um, it'll be fun to watch. And I have it listed as number one versus number two. That's that's a possibility. We have to see where Morton falls in their next game uh, before Friday, mm-hmm. but it is a possibility that it's one versus two. But either way, it's a big-time matchup between you know two solid teams in the district. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere for sure. Both student sections are going to be there. They're both going to be rowdy. They're both going to be crazy. So we'll see how that goes. Back to Team of the Week, though, talking about Tompkins. Katie gave them their only loss in district this season, so that was a really big revenge game for them to go into Katie and just absolutely dominate and blow them out. It wasn't even close from the start, and they just took off and, and destroyed them. And then to go to Taylor... Right after going and playing a road game at Katy, you go to Taylor against the Mustang Mob, which is also insane. They're notorious yeah. for, you know, getting people's heads and, and handing them losses on their home court. You know, they pulled out a win there as well. That's a pretty big deal to go on two road wins late in the season against, you know, two pretty rowdy crowds and pull off wins to, to keep their district championship alive. And like yeah. you said, to avenge the one district loss that you did, you did have to, you did have yeah. to endure in this season, so... And then they're going into the playoffs now with that playoff atmosphere under their belt a little bit. Yep, um, it'll, they get to, it'll be a big test for them to, mm-hmm. to be in an atmosphere like that, and it'll really help them moving forward to get used to it, you know, to not feel under pressure and just play their game. Yeah, I mean, Tompkins is still a brand-new program, and they're at the top of the district in basketball. For sure. It's pretty impressive stuff. No, it is. Uh, so let's talk about just softball and baseball a little bit. The next couple of weeks they're going to be, you know, starting up their scrimmages. We're not going to cover them too much until they start getting into real games, but we'll be keeping up with you know some stats and some matchups, and we'll really be getting a feel for how these teams are going to be coming into the regular season. So we look forward to bringing you some updates on on that and diving into potential matchups when district games begin. We can definitely get into some standout individual performances, for and, sure. And, you know, from certain players, that's baseball and softball. From what we see and what we hear, players that look like they're going to have pretty good seasons upcoming in this twenty eighteen spring. Yeah, so. and there may be some offers coming in throughout the throughout the season. You know, I know a lot of softball girls that are either committed or have offers on the table, and a lot of baseball guys as well that are committed to go places. So it'll be interesting to see, especially in baseball, some of these big arms going against each other in the district matchups but I mean it's a long way as a way to get to district you got to go through all the tournaments and scrimmages and preseason games but there's some big matchups early on 
preseason-wise as well. Uh, Katie's matching up with San Antonio Reagan, I believe, who is listed number one state. So that's going to be a real test. So we'll be keeping an eye on those games, and we'll be giving y'all news on, on what we see matchup-wise in the district and how we think it's going to play out in softball and baseball. All right, welcome to back to the KD4 podcast. We're here at our overtime period. We have uh, Max Wright in with us for a quick interview. What's up, what's up? All right. Uh, can you talk about what the team morale was this past year with the with your head coach moving on and having to bounce back after that? Uh, it was uh, it was kind of a different atmosphere in the locker room. Uh, you know, we came in with uh, Coach Herman expecting to have a great season, expecting to be under him the whole entire year. But um, whenever he left, um, the guys kind of rallied together. We were like, you know, we only got each other. Um, it was, it was a, a hard thing to see him go, and a lot of guys were really upset about it. But uh, whenever Coach Jeffy stepped in and, and Coach Jensen kind of stepped up too to kind of help with the to fill in at that job, it was a just kind of like a family atmosphere. Um, you know, we all kind of went like branded together and uh, just kind of like rallied through it and just kind of pushed through that. Yeah. So you mentioned Coach Jensen. Uh, what was his? What did he mean to you and that that entire defensive line really at Taylor? Like what uh, what drills did you guys kind of go through and just really like what did he mean to you as a mentor and things like that? As a mentor, he, he was like a second father to me, um, and, he, and I think I say that for all the guys uh, for the defensive line at Taylor. Uh, you know, every single guy who who started on the defensive line this year is actually going to Division One to play Division One ball, and so I mean it's it's really exciting. You know, he, he's an amazing coach, but he's even uh, even a better man. Uh, he, uh, he he really was was what I uh, like needed as a coach, especially like being in the position that I was in with uh, losing like my head coach. He, he stepped up and he was like, you know what, like we're family. And, and he really like took that on and, and whenever he said it, he meant it. You know, he, uh, he's, he's an amazing, an amazing guy, an amazing coach. And um, I mean, I'm, so, I'm so thankful that I got to have him for the four years that I was there. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. All right, can you take us through uh, your recruiting journey and when did it start, really, and what schools kind of took the most interest in you? Uh, it started really, really early. Um, you know, my freshman year, I got my first offer from Georgia. And from there, I mean, it really kind of spun off and it, it took off. Um, and I was uh, I was extremely lucky and, and really, really <laughs> kind of blessed to get those offers and, and uh, from the schools early, which were, I mean, it was, it was Georgia and then the Texas schools like Texas, DCU, Baylor, uh, Texas A&M, obviously, and then, uh, you know, like, then some of the out-of-state schools started coming in after uh, all the Texas schools started offering me, and, you know, it uh, it started off extremely, extremely fast, um, and I was kind of blown away by it, because I, I, uh, I'd been told that I was I was a good player, but, you know, I, I'd always been told by my family to kind of keep my head on, and it was crazy how, much, how fast it blew up, but, you know, it just kind of, it was weird, but with, like, the recruiting process and everything, it, uh, it was a really, really fun experience. Um, you know, I, I really had a lot of interest from a lot of schools, um, with Georgia and Alabama and, and Texas A&M, the school that I chose, and Texas actually came at me really, really hard. So, th- so those are kind of like the top schools that really, really came at me. Um, Stanford came at me for a little while. Um, but, you know, I, I just kind of like looking at all the options and kind of thinking it all out. Texas A&M was really my home, where I wanted to be, was where my heart was. just kind of felt like home for me. So on the flip side of that, you know, over the last couple of months, you've, you've kind of taken the role of recruiter. And uh, we've, yeah. <laughs> we've noticed yeah. that. So, like, what yeah. – <laughs> was there anything specific that prompted you or motivated you to do that? Or was that just, like – the was that, like, part of, like, a, a chemistry or, a, like, a morale you've already built with the guys that you're coming in with, like, in your in your class? Definitely the, the chemistry and morale part. Yeah. Um, just the, the guys coming in with me are all guys that have great mindsets and great attitudes, and they all want to come in and win. You know, they're, they're – 
kind of like a good brotherhood of guys and like all of us have kind of turned into recruiters the guys that have signed the guys that have committed and so you know yeah we we just love it like we all love a and we all love it here we're, we're gonna be we're all excited to be Aggies and so you know we want some other guys that are really big time players and, and great dudes to come in and also be a part of that that process and you know and so being a recruiter is kind of fun <laughs> but uh just kind of I don't know just taking on that role because I, I don't know I just love the school so much I love the place and I'm I'm really, really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I feel that, man. All right, yeah. so so now back to the towards the end of your recruiting um, adventure here. You went from Coach Sumlin to Coach Jimbo Fisher. Can you walk us through that a little bit? What was that like? Um, and just touch on that a little bit. Uh, it, it was a little, uh, a little. It was, was kind of awkward. <laughs> uh, I, I had never really uh, communicated with Coach Fisher. Um, he had talked to me a little bit early in the process, but they actually, Florida State never offered me. They had never offered a lot of guys in the, who were committed to Texas A&M because there were a lot of Texas-grown kids and stuff. But just kind of the change between the two, Coach Sumlin was, was a great coach, and, and I still like have a lot of respect for him and still think he's an amazing guy. But Coach Fisher came in, and, and he's he's wanted to win a national championship. And, you know, once he got in here and I, and I met him and talked to him, I'm like, this guy's for real, and he, and he really knows what he wants to do, and he's done it before. And so just kind of the switch between the two, it was a uh, – it was weird at first, not not really weird, but it was just kind of like, oh wow, like this is happening. I may not have like the same like position coach I thought and all that, you know. But whenever I met Coach Fisher, I was like, I'm I'm still my heart, like my mind was put at ease, and I was and I was still like, all right, and it's my home, it's still my home and stuff. And over the past like months, like the well, past like two months really, that Coach Fisher's been here. He's been an amazing an amazing recruiter, and he's really been checking up on all the guys that are committed to check in and see how they're doing, and he's told us all about himself and kind of told us his resume and he's built relationships with us you know i think the the switch at the beginning was a little was a little shaky but i mean he's gotten rolling and he's an amazing coach and i'm really excited to play underneath him so there was never any doubt though that you were still going to be an aggie after that coaching change took place yeah you know i i kind of i kind of everybody kind of saw i I had options and, and maybe a chance to go out and visit alabama um I went out and saw Texas again, and, and, you know, I just, after doing that and then coming back and seeing A&M again with Coach Fisher there, I was like, I'm, this is it for me. Like, this is where I want to be. And then there's nothing else to it. There's, you know, I had maybe a little mindset, like, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll kind of sit back and reevaluate my options again. But even after that, I was still, and it was for me. That's good, man. Uh, yeah. Like, we all know how, like, strong and supportive that fan base is and just how, uh, how tight-knit, you know, they are as a, as a community. So, yeah. how, and I know that they're very outspoken, you know, to to a lot of their re- incoming recruits because you know they mm-hmm. they want y'all to come in and, and do well and feel like it's home. Have yes, have they been have they been helpful like for you mentally and spiritually like especially through like your rehab process? I'd imagine that that's, that helps you out a lot. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, it, I never would have imagined that I'd have like random like, like people I had no idea who they are and they don't really even know me. They just but they send me support and they DM me and send me support all the time and it. And, just it really shows like the respect that they have for people. I mean, whenever people found out, I got a, a bunch of messages just saying, "Hey, like praying for you, hoping like you're doing all right." And a lot of people really checked up on me, and, and the fan base was unbelievable for me. And they really just kind of took me under their wing, kind of helped me out, and always were, were there to kind of pick me up. Like it was, it was kind of weird. It was like it was like having kind of like a random like person just kind of help you up off the side of the street whenever you need some help. It was it was awesome. Like there's there's no other fan base like it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, man, I, I figured as much. That's why I just wanted to. I figured that they extended some kind of words to you and helped you out through that process. Oh, yeah. I know, I know how hard it can be bouncing back from that. So that's good to hear, mm-hmm. man. I'm glad they support you like that. 
Yeah, that's Thanks. fascinating stuff. Uh, to close this out here, can you tell us a, a couple of guys to watch out for uh, next year at Taylor? Oh, okay. There's quite a few. Uh, the offensive line next year is going to be unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you got Bryce Foster, Hayden Connor, Andrew Coker. I mean, all coming back, which are all really, really big, strong kids. And now with like a year underneath their belts, those two freshmen, Hayden Connor and Bryce Foster, are really going to come back and be top, top guys for us. And then also uh, Austin Smith. He's, he's coming off an ACL injury, but he's, he's a really good player, and he's going to be really, really healthy whenever he comes back. So I'm excited for him. Um, Brayden Mallory on the opposite side of the ball and then Josh Ferguson Ben Montgomery I mean there's a lot of returning starters on the defensive side of the ball um, and then on the offensive side of the O-line going to be deadly uh, so you mentioned Ben Montgomery and Andrew Coker they both you know, recently decommitted from the schools uh, mm-hmm. Florida and U of H do you have any insight where they might go? Uh, I think Ben's kind of like just I think he opened it back up because after he had a great junior year and I think he's in a get some more offers coming up soon. So I think he's really just stepping back and not really leaning anywhere right now. I think he's just kind of seeing for himself what's all going on with these new possibility of offers coming in. And then with Biggie, I think Biggie, uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he's going to be an Aggie. Um, <laughs> that's, what we, know, that's what we figured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping he's going to be an Aggie, but, you know, he's, a, he's an awesome guy. He's an awesome dude. So he'll make a great choice wherever he goes. But, I mean, he's, he's loving – He's loving AM, loving TCU, loving all those schools. So he'll, he'll be he'll be fun. He'll be a good guy to watch. All right. Well, uh, thank you for for calling us and coming on the show. No problem. Yeah, really Thanks appreciate it, Max. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you all. Yeah, no problem. Man. All right, guys. That's going to do it for episode two of Cover Four Katie. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cover Four Katie. Check out our website www.cover4katie.com. Check out the contact us tab on our website. We welcome all feedback, positive, negative. We want to hear your thoughts on anything and everything we've talked about, things we haven't talked about, etc. That's going to do it for us at episode two of Code 4K Podcast. I'm Brandon. Tanner. I'm Zach. We'll see you next time.